welcome to the Apex Predator Podcast. I'm Jamie Preston, and we're here with Andy Rose. What's up, man? What's up, brother? You're, episode you're, two. Episode two, yeah. And uh, you're about a week off, you know, or maybe a week and a half away from your last contest. You're kind of getting getting back in the swing of regular life, you know, or, or your next contest, you know, which is I think is a year from now. Um, but yeah, how's things going, man? How, how do you feel? You know, honestly, um, I feel pretty good. Now, I actually just had some blood work done the other day because I was feeling like crap. Um, but uh, since that point, I actually had the, my doctor, uh, we, we did a therapeutic phlebotomy. So I said, take a little bit of cream off the top. So he took an extra pint out. I can just tell when. Um, when my red blood cell count gets a little bit too high, it's sort of like what's left in your oil pan in an older mm, car. Yeah. When you change oil, that sludge, that's pretty much what my blood was doing. So people don't know how to change um, oil I, anymore. I started to, uh, <laughs> I had like a four or five day period of really bad migraines, um, like debilitating, like made me nauseous real yeah. bad. So, um, so I went to him and we got that squared away within, within an hour after that, I started to feel better, but you know, really my focus, obviously I'm, you know, my, I paid my coach for a year up front. Um, we're, you know, right into training, right into, I mean, as I'm like finishing a protein shake, um, we're, we're right into, right into the off season, paid him for a 16 week contest prep. So, you know, we're going to go back to the same show next year. Um, so my contest prep will start, uh, middle of May because we'll do about a 16 week prep, but now it's okay. So I got to get back to normal life because I've, largely put my personal life on hold mm -hmm. um and if anybody has ever had experience with with bodybuilding it's 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 a very selfish sport it, and i could be wrong here but it's the only way i know how to do it it's you know when i go into something i got blinders on everything else stops yeah so if i'm if i'm getting up you know if my goal is to maximize my sleep first and foremost i'm trying to get eight hours of sleep at night if I got to get up at four o'clock in the morning to do cardio, let's back that up. Mm -hmm. I need to be going to bed pretty damn early, which means, you know, my last meal, two hours before I go to bed, Yep. you know, shut my, shut my life down, get in bed, be, unwind. You know, we're talking eight, nine o'clock night and I don't deviate from that, mm -hmm. which makes, you know, social life almost non-existent because you know, people do things at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> no, you know, I don't put myself and it's one of those things where I put a lot of, um, we'll say fun on hold, but it's, you know, if you're in a relationship, whether you're dating somebody, whether you're in marriage, like you're, your partner kind of bores the brunt of that. Sure. Bores, bears the, bears the brunt of that. Right. And it, you know, now's an opportunity. Like, obviously I'm still focused on eating and training and my business and, but I'm spending more time doing the things that I wasn't doing. Like we're, you know, we're going on a cruise with, uh, with Lucas and Shauna in January, like my 40th birthday is in April. So we're trying to plan a trip, like doing all of those things to sort of get back to like quote unquote normal life. Mm -hmm. Because I realized that come May, I got to flip the switch again. Yeah. And if I want to do better than fourth place at North Americans, I got to go one step farther than I did this year. Mm -hmm. 
So you really have to, to prioritize, you know, the things that are important. And that's, you know, I don't want to be lonely at 40 years old um, because I, I chose to put all my eggs in body. Bodybuilding is never going to give anything back to me. Yeah. Um, it's always going to take more than it gives. Whereas, you know, if you have a partner, it's, you know, theoretically, your partner is going to give back to you what you give to them. Sure. But if you don't give them anything, I mean, you can't really expect anything in return. So it's sort of like um, I'm spending a lot of time, like we're refilling some buckets mm-hmm. um, because there are some buckets that were drained for a long time. And I realized like it's, it's, it's stressful. So um, mentally, like it feels great, you know, mm-hmm. just to be able to like, I'm more relaxed. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously like, I'm happy because I'm eating more food. Um, and my diet is, still there but i'm a little relaxed with it. yeah it's not not as strict. crazy um it's got some it's got some not freedom in it per se but it has some flexibility in it mm-hmm. and it's manageable training's the same way so you know being able to focus on my relationship a little bit more uh, being able to focus on my family a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and just being more present because as you get into the depths of a contest prep you you get more and more distant just because you don't have the energy, it's not, you know, it's not on purpose because you don't want to be around people. It's sure. you've got to prioritize where your energy goes. And it's like, okay, family's going to have to wait. Um, and I'm sure there are competitors out there that, that are really good about that balance, but I don't, I don't think balance is a real thing. Right. I think if you want to accomplish anything in life, whether it's a career, um, a business, uh, something as silly as bodybuilding, right? You want to win a show. Like you got to go all in mm-hmm. and when you go all in, you don't have room for other stuff. Yeah. And it's, you know, to have a partner that's supportive of that, like anyone who does is extraordinarily lucky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's definitely been, it's been a challenge these last couple of years. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, on that front, I'm, I'm very blessed that, um, you know, Jesse's as, as patient as she is about it. It's hard work. Yeah. Um, and I realized like, you know, if I hold the gas pedal down too long, <laughs> there's no coming back. So right. it's one of those things of like, you have to, again, I don't believe in balance. A hundred percent of my focus is on bodybuilding right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's elsewhere. Yeah. There will come a time where a hundred percent of my focus is right back in that contest prep. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not missing meals. I'm not missing training sessions and things like that, but you know, I'm, I'm focusing on the other components of my life that I need because bodybuilding is not always going to be there. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, my clients aren't the ones that are always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, you know, when you, where you rest your head at night, you know, mm-hmm. the partner that's next to you, yeah. um, you know, that's the, you, you, for lack of a better term, like you've got to pay your dues. Yeah. You have to put, you have to make that priority and it's, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it because it's, it's making me feel like whole, mm-hmm. um, bodybuilding in and of itself is very lonely. Yeah. It's a very lonely journey. And, and when I approach any endeavor, I tend to block people out and forge ahead on my own. I don't like sharing the burden. I'm like, I got this. Um, I don't like asking for help. Mm-hmm. So I get, I get very stubborn when it comes to that. I just want to yeah. let me figure it out. And sometimes like I make more work for myself, but well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is what it is. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, well today on this episode, um, we, we kind of, we did our pre-conversation where you thought we were recording, but we weren't. Um, but <laughs> I want to, I want to go back cause you, cause what, what I really connect with, which we connect with people and we connect with people's story and you've got a unique story, you, you know, and I want to go back your early days of when you really started getting into fitness and, and then also what your diet looked like back then. This is all the way back to college, Andy, um, in a boat rowing with, on a team to bicycle, Andy, you know, what that looked like and so on and through, throughout your career and, and your life. You know, so let's, but let's specifically hone in on that diet and what that was like. Cause honestly, it's the hardest thing. The, the training is there. It's a list. All I do is I go down that list. I give it my all. There it is. Eating is so much more difficult, so much more. You have to have so much more discipline. It is much harder than the training to me. The training is the easiest part. Um, it's the most rewarding part. Um, it's also me. the most fun part. It's the, it's the most fun. Yeah. You're going in. Wow. And I list, I lifted 20 pounds heavier this week. You know, it's like, that's the fun part about it and seeing the progress. So, but let's go back to college, Andy in a row, in a rower, you know, and, and talk about your diet back then and how you've progressed and what you've learned over, you know, these years, 25, 30 years. So, I mean, interesting, the, my last, um, experience with a team sport uh was rowing so you got there's two different at the time we raced two different boats one was a four one was an eight so you either have four people in a boat or eight and you know you you have to do everything perfectly timed like it is the quintessential team sport because if one person is off by one millimeter that boat is not as fast as it it, it can be mm-hmm. so it's really deficiency very very heavily built on on teams uh camaraderie and, and you know you got to basically live together eat together sleep together and it was a co-ed team so anyway um <laughs> i just had to put that one in there for shit to giggles just because i want to make people laugh um so at the time though um i was probably I don't know, probably about maybe 150 pounds, 152. Um, now the boat average uh, for lightweights for men, um, I believe the boat average is 160. Uh, it might be 162. It's been a long time. I don't know if that's accurate today. Don't quote me on it. But the most um, a lightweight male rower can weigh is 165. Well, if the boat average has to be 162, and you can weigh up to 165, you're going to stack that boat with horsepower. You're going to get as many guys in there that are at 165 or as close to it as possible. And then you're going to have a few guys in that boat that aren't, aren't there. They're going to bring down the boat average. That's where I come in. So really it was, you know, be as, as fast as you can in the lowest body weight possible. So it's power to weight yeah. ratio, which when we transitioned to cycling later, you know, a few years after that, it was the same concept. But when it comes to nutrition, you know, I didn't know jack shit. Yeah. I knew that food was good. Uh, you need food. Yeah. You had <laughs> but, a high you know, metabolism. You're in college, you know. 
right. Your, your, your hormones are through the roof. You can eat pretty much whatever you want, you know, but you're also in a cafeteria that has all you can eat ice cream and cookies. And, you know, I swear they, they like slather uh, laxatives on all of the food. <laughs> so you're shitting your brains out two minutes after eating it. Um, and, and it's just gross food. Yeah. It's greasy and it's just, you can tell it's just not good food. It's mass made, but so. we didn't. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I couldn't do it and I don't know how kids do it today. Um, you know, and we didn't, there, there really wasn't, we didn't have any knowledge about like protein powders or supplements and stuff like that. Like, and then you get into like at the time, I mean, the supplement industry in and of itself is so loosely regulated that, you know, we're in NCAA. So if we get drug tested and you're using protein powder, that's got a banned substance that you don't know about. Well, it's not like you're one player on a team where you've got some substitutes. You're one rower in a boat of eight. Maybe that was the fastest combination of that, that boat. So you just fucked over seven other people mm-hmm. unintentionally. So supplements weren't really a thing. Um, we ate what we could get our hands on. There really wasn't a lot of, you know, we, nobody had any money. You know, yeah. I think at the time I ate a lot of peanut butter sandwiches, you know, uh, peanut butter jelly sandwiches in my room drinking milk. So, I mean, it's got some basics, but, you know, you're eating white bread at the time. It's not like you're yeah. eating good food. Right. Um, so nutrition really wasn't paramount, but you can kind of skate by because you're a teenager. Yeah, sure. Uh, and you get into your, you know, your early to mid-20s, things start to change a little bit. But I still had those habits. And now, okay, I can go drink whenever I want. So mm-hmm. then my diet becomes mostly beer and Jägermeister. Yeah. And, you know, cheeseburgers and fried food. And it's at funny. Point, I just I had my point, you had, you had transitioned 20-year high school reunion. At, was that? At that point, you had transitioned to cycling. Yeah, I was yeah. cycling at that point. So, again, you're, you're riding, you know, four or five hours at a time. So you've got a little bit more leeway, right? Yeah. So that's a lot of miles. And at the time, it was also, you know, Lance Armstrong was king. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the tour, and these guys are just – they're they are just tiny. Mm-hmm. And they're ridiculously – like, bullet fast. Yeah. And they're weighing like – they weigh like 130 pounds soaking wet. So not only am I eating and drinking like an asshole still, right? Mm-hmm. Like, eating fried food and, and drinking on my weight in Jägermeister um, – I'm trying to get as small as possible. Yeah. So I was at my leanest. I was around 138 to 142. Um, I don't know if you had recorded this part, but there's a picture from my 21st birthday and I look like a cancer patient because I had a shaved head. I had no color in my skin. Like it was pale, like ghostly white. Right. And, and I had my, my arms back like this and my, my arms were just so tiny. Yeah. They look like, you know, they look like a teenage girl's arms, you know, just tiny. Right. And, and that's cause it, you're getting, would, you're pouring out tons of calories. You're, you're burning yeah, tons of calories. I was not getting any not nutrients, my body nutrition at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> you know, I ate a lot of pasta. Yeah. If that's, you know, at the time that's probably the healthiest thing that I ate. I also ate a lot of Arby's, mm-hmm. which is probably the least healthy thing I could eat. You know, it, ironically enough, I was just back. Um, for my 20th high school reunion, we went to the same bar that I used to go to in college called the Cornerstone. And they, they brought food out for us. It's the same food they were serving 20 years ago. Yeah. 
you know, fried chicken, um, you know, fried chicken strips and, mm-hmm. and little pretzel bites. And the pizza was exactly the same. And I'm like, I used to eat this stuff every day. Mm. Like I, I can't even, I couldn't even look at it. And I was done with my show at the time. Right. Like I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. That day I could eat whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah. That was Saturday. Right. So that was my one day. And <laughs> I didn't want any of that crap, but it, you know, when you flash back to my early twenties and my knowledge of nutrition, like I, I think I knew more about uh, beer at the time than I did, <laughs> um, because that was this. I, I could ride it off. Sure, ride. You know, I would just ride. So mm-hmm. I would drink till two in the morning, um, stumble back home and go to bed, and I would get up and I would go ride my bike for four or five, six hours. Or I would go to work in the bike shop and we would go ride before work. And then, you know, it, it, it was easy to stay fairly lean again, still trying to be as small as possible, but you know, it really wasn't until, you know, I got, when I got into running, um, I started to change my diet up a little bit. I started to, to do a little bit more research and mm-hmm. what diet's the most efficient for runners and, you know, lean, uh, you know, being as lean as possible, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up, um, <laughs> I was vegan for two or three years. Um, I don't think it was three years. I think it was about two, which, you know, it's a huge switch, right? I went from eating like mm-hmm. a bunch of fried food and chicken and, uh, other crap and and now i'm like i'm eating fake food because yeah. vegan food is not real food um it's you know plant-based protein i actually had a client recently sent me a picture of something he had to play it was uh beyond meat and i said what the hell is beyond meat <laughs> facetiously and he goes it was gross i was like that's what you get for eating things that are designed to look like meat you should have just had meat instead um but I had to, you know, I experiment on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, did I feel healthier? No. Um, did it accomplish the goal of me being leaner? Yeah. Um, I was lighter. I was faster. Um, I was probably moodier. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't mean, I couldn't put muscle on to save my life. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it's, you just, you can't, you don't have enough calories to support it. Um, but it was, I remember the day I was in, um, if anybody's familiar with Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area, there's a grocery store called Giant Eagle. So we're, I'm walking through Giant Eagle. It was the girl I was dating at the time. We're getting, and she was a vegan too at the time or vegetarian. So it was actually pretty easy, you know, mm-hmm. buying fake meat and crap. And we're walking uh, past the eggs and, you know, dairy and chicken. I was like, damn it. I want some fucking chicken. And I went over and I grabbed a pack of chicken breasts and that was it. Yeah. Um, and it was at that point I was like, all right, I need, my body just needed it. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot to be said about that. I listen, if, if someone's in front of me and, and for whatever reason, they're vegetarian or vegan, I'm not going to beat them over the head with a T-bone steak. <laughs> or the, or the, uh... But, you know, everybody's got their reasons. Yeah. Whether it be, um, you know, spiritual or moral or whatever, but I'm still going to maintain the fact that there's no better source of nutrients than the animals that we've eaten for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years. Yeah. Sure. So that's, you know, it's been a lot of a transition of, you know, you go from college, I was just eating anything I wanted 
to I'm trying to perform as an athlete better. So I'm like trying to find the best diet for mm-hmm. it. So I go the hard opposite direction and I'm like, I'm never <laughs> eating meat. Right. Uh, it's all plants and sticks and seeds and fruit. And, and there's still a lot of, pro- again, not knowing much, you know, mm-hmm. I think the book that really spurred it on was born to run, which is a great book. Um, but it, it, it talks a lot about that. So that was, you know, say two years of my life. And then, you know, I'm trying to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Is that when you started to get it back into weightlifting? Um, you know, I had lifted all along, but you know, obviously things didn't change that much. And then, you know, I had moved to a different gym and one of my um, good friends at the time was a bodybuilder. And so we started, you know, we're in the gym all day long training. So we talked a lot about nutrition and, you know, I'm watching him eat. He was preparing for a contest. So I'm looking at food he's eating and, you know, the trainers that I'm working with, they're all, everybody's got their diet, but they're, they've all got their meal prep with them. And it was mm-hmm. really eye opening to me. And it's really when I started asking a lot of questions, of, you know, why eat that or why do you eat that? And I started reading more, doing a little bit more research because um, nutrition certifications don't really do it justice. You know, like nobody cares what you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody cares how you implement it and yeah. how it's, can you, can you prove its effectiveness? Mm-hmm. Can you show me how it works? Yeah. And that's really, you know, you start to, to put things into practice. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to eat really well six days out of the week. And my last meal on the seventh, I'm going to go out to an Italian restaurant, eat whatever I want. Um, so there's a lot of that. I got to grab my charger real quick. My phone's yelling at me. No worries. <laughs> because... My computer's not plugged in. So um, I'm going to move my computer, actually, so I can plug this in. Give me a second. Very cool. But my, um, I would say that period of time when I was back in Pittsburgh, when I got into you know, strength training being a little bit different in terms of, I was starting to do bodybuilding stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I had no intention of competing in bodybuilding at the time, but I was spending my time training with a fellow bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. So I started following, you know, the way that he trained and the way that he ate. And that ended up being a really beneficial period of time because that's when I learned the most. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you transition down the line i'm still bodybuilding and you know he's it's funny we ran into each other um a couple of weeks ago in pittsburgh and uh you know he, he got into olympic weightlifting he owns his own gym and you know we're now we're shooting the shit about you know training together back in the day and how like i'm the one that like i'm the purveyor of knowledge at this point where mm-hmm. you know 10 12 15 years ago it was him yeah. so it was it's sort of like how the tides have turned so it was um it was a cool like retrospective um but i'm trying to <laughs> try not to get too far off topic um but that's <laughs> so you know, what did what I've, did your powerlifting comp- diet look like go ahead what did your powerlifting diet look like uh powerlifting diet um because i mean i when cool i think about powerlifting, powerlifting so i think of the strong strong men i'm thinking of you know the, all those guys that you know, they're lifting stones. That's what I'm thinking of, you know, and they eat ridiculous diets, like 10,000 oh, yeah. calories a day. 
yeah. So, you know, I had competed in power or sorry, bodybuilding for a few years mm -hmm. before I got into powerlifting. So my experience with, you know, that side of competition, mm -hmm. you know, in my mind, I didn't, I didn't think powerlifting competitions were that far removed mm -hmm. from bodybuilding, right? Like you're trying to get, a, you know, build muscle, get strong as you can. Mm -hmm. um, and my thoughts at the time was like, okay, powerlifting is just, or bodybuilding is powerlifting with a diet. Yeah. So I trained for my first meet and my buddy, Brian, you know, he's, he's guiding me, right. Cause he's, I met him when I first moved to Charleston and, you know, He's teaching me everything about powerlifting mm -hmm. and we go to Columbia, South Carolina is my first meet ever. And we, um, we check in and then we go to a pizza joint. Mm -hmm. So this is where my world, like my jaw is like a gate. <laughs> we sit down and order pitchers of beer and pizza the night before competition. Now, my experience with this level of competition is with bodybuilding, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you're not eating that the night before. Right. You know, you're eating, you know, rice cakes and, you know, boiled chicken and whatever. You know, that was my experience. So here I am completely shocked that with powerlifting, like, no, eat what you want. So I had a couple of beers, had a couple slices of pizza. You know, as time has progressed, I don't deviate from my normal diet when it comes to uh, powerlifting, right? Mm -hmm. So if my normal diet is, you know, steak and potatoes, I'm going to eat steak and potatoes the night before the meat. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to change. But at the time, you know, we're talking six years ago, I was like, hell yeah, we get to eat pizza. <laughs> like this sport is awesome. Like you get to eat pizza and like, and if you, if you, if you've ever been to a powerlifting meet with me, like I bring a bottle of bourbon with me. Yeah. You know, I pull out the bourbon when the deadlifts start and I take my shirt off, pull the bourbon out. We're drinking bourbon. Like no we're pain. there to have a good, you know, <laughs> have a good time. Like I'm running around in the kilt drinking bourbon. Like that's how I roll at powerlifting meets now. But, you know, six years ago, it was like mind blowing that, you know, the diet was, I mean, it's a lot of food. You're essentially mm -hmm. eating a bodybuilding diet, but your calories are so high. Yeah. You're not caring about your body composition so much as you are like, I need mass moves mass. Right. Right. So there's that period of time where Brian and I are both trying to get as big as possible, mm -hmm. you know, and it, we didn't care what we looked like. We just mm -hmm. wanted to be strong as fuck. Yeah. So, um, so it's definitely a, a bit of a change when I transitioned back to, to bodybuilding. And yeah. Here, here comes Brian knocking at the door. Like he wants to get super lean because he's never done it. Mm -hmm. He's like going to go through a bodybuilding diet. And sure enough, you know, he sent me a picture the other day. He's, he's staying pretty lean. It's changed his, his concept of, of eating. Yeah. Uh, because he's now eating more for the performance factor of it. Like if you eat certain foods before you train, you're going to feel better. And if you eat other stuff and, you know, he stays away from, he doesn't drink a lot anymore. He doesn't eat crap on the weekends and, you know, it's football season now. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and he's a football fan. So Saturdays, you know, you get Brian to do anything. You can't because it's football. Season. Yeah. And football season has football Which food. He played college football. So yeah, he played at OU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's constantly watching. I've, I've spent a lot of time with him watching games at his house and stuff like that. And, and I'm not a big sports fan. So I don't, I've never really understood why people like have these giant parties every Saturday or Sunday <laughs> um, for, for every sporting event. I'm like, 
this is why America is fat. <laughs> like too many. I'm dips. sorry, but that football team doesn't care how many chicken wings it eat. Um, but yeah, that's the, you know, powerlifting definitely bodybuilding started it. But when I transitioned to powerlifting, the amount of food really changed my, my understanding of, of nutrition's effect foods effect on my performance because right. with, with bodybuilding in the past it was like just eat as little as possible and try to maintain some semblance of muscle and you know I've, there's a framed picture um, on my floor and it's my first bodybuilding show ever and i was just skinny mm-hmm. i had no body fat on me but I, I also didn't really have a lot of muscle definition either because I, I had lost so much muscle in the process yeah. you, know, you fast forward to now where you know, we've started to figure out the, the formula mm-hmm. of how do we eat a maximal amount of food mm-hmm. while still dropping body fat as low as possible. Right. And it's taken, it's, it's, it has been the culmination of 20 years of training and, and, you know, from a complete and utter lack of nutrition knowledge to now where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm analyzing the, you know, the location from where my food comes, you know, yeah. like, all right, so this food is local. So is it, you know, what kind of food is this beef fed? Mm-hmm. I never thought like that 15 years ago. Yeah. I didn't care. Right. Uh, so it's definitely the journey is that, you know, when, when people look at, you know, programming for me, when it comes to nutrition, it's not something I just came up with yesterday. Right. It's something that through trial and error, 20 years of my career, mm-hmm that you know if i had somebody like me 20 years ago we might be having a different conversation yeah you know my career as a competitive athlete might have gone a different direction i was good at cycling but i i I didn't optimize it i didn't optimize my training i was good at running but i didn't optimize my nutrition my training the same thing with 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 rowing Mm -hmm. so i might have found you know a different a different way of living my life as a competitive athlete if i knew me back then mm-hmm. and unfortunately that's not how things work you know yeah. hindsight is 2020 that's how it works so you know it's i'm thankful now that when i have an 18 19 year old kid come up to me in the gym like today um and ask me questions about training ask me questions about nutrition i get right to the point mm-hmm. of where i am today when it comes to nutrition you know obviously the background is important and I think it's it's kind of cool to be able to tell that of like, I I mean, I got into training by accident. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into training because I wanted to make a career of it. Yeah. I've pieced it together as I've gone on. There are people that go to school specifically because they want to be a trainer mm-hmm. and they want to be a strength coach. That wasn't a thing then. So it was one of those things where I was really good at. It. It's like bodybuilding, right? Mm-hmm. I think bodybuilding is stupid, but I'm good at it. Mm. and training I'm, I'm i think i'm at least mediocre at training <laughs> um i try to do the best i can for my clients but it wasn't my first choice of career yeah it wasn't even my second choice of career it just happened to be the career that i was the best at mm. and it's been the one where like i've been able to affect the most people and yeah. you know at this point you know i'm i'm humbled when someone comes up to me and they don't know who i am and they just assume that i have some semblance of knowledge so they start asking me questions off the cuff without even knowing sure. name. um and it it's it's kind of a cool place to be because 
I never would have imagined being here. And it's really the culmination of my experiences with other people, whether it's other athletes I've competed with, uh, other trainers I've worked with, coaches that I've had, mm-hmm. um, clients that I've worked with. It's where I am today is largely a culmination of, of every experience with someone who's known more than me. Sure. So at some point, I hope to be able to, you know, to be a, a cog in the wheel for someone who comes after me. You know, maybe that kid I was talking to today is going to get into a career as, as, as a trainer or a strength coach. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, you know, I think it's it's important at this point to, and yeah, it, it messed my workout up a little bit. It, it took a little bit longer to get my workout done than I had planned for. Um, that's why I was a little bit late today. But to me, that half an hour I spent talking to this kid was, like it was really worth it. And I it did check it. myself there because I wanted to tell him like, dude, leave me alone. I'm trying to train at the same time. I'm like it takes some balls to walk up to somebody in the gym and ask them questions about nutrition. Mm, yeah. And uh, like, I'm not the most intimidating guy in the world, but I'm also not the most approachable, especially when I'm training. Right. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> Hey, I got to give the kid credit. <laughs> I'll take that. So, um, but if I, if I didn't have, you know, had I not crossed paths with, with Brian or uh, with Tom or my first trainer, yeah. Matt, like if I didn't have the experiences with them or my, my coach, my own coach from college, Adrian yeah. Spracklin, like I, you know, we're going back 20 years. Mm-hmm. So the things that I learned then, I did not understand the value of them until today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and honestly, so tomorrow that, will be the same. You know, that, it's one of those things like my journey to this point was not planned. Yeah. It's an accident. Yeah, sure. And that, and that's kind of what you've done. You've taken all these lived experiences, this lived knowledge, this, the experiences you've gotten from other people and you've combined it in this program to make people healthy, to make people, um, physically fit, mentally fit everything is because it, it affects everything. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I know somebody who, it was a mess, a hot mess. Um, not, not actually not even, a fr- not even a friend. I know of the person uh, work with them. They were the most hateful person you could ever meet. They were just obnoxious fly off the handle. They could be as nice as could be one day and then fly off the handle. They've in this last year, they've put their physical health, um, first and they've gotten in really good shape. Um, still on the journey but have completely changed their life and they are the most pleasant person in the world to be around. So it affects everything. It affects your mental state. It affects your relationships. And that's, what's beautiful about it. It really sets everything else up for you to be the best that you can be at your job, at your life, with your family. It it affects everything. And that's why it's so important. It's the foundation, I think to everything. I absolutely agree. hundred percent. Yeah. So, so the, the next few weeks here, we're going to, we're going to get into the specifics, you know, kind of hearing your story, this culmination of knowledge that you've, you've gotten. Um, and that's what you're really giving people is this experience that you've lived, um, in a workout routine. You've, you're taking the movements. I, I knew deadlift would be in that routine, you know, cause at first I wasn't in there and I'm like, now I know Andy eats, breathes and sleeps deadlifts. So, 
he deadlifts in his sleep. So I know this is going to be in here, you know, at some point. I'm sneaky um, like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, you know, but it's all of that, you know, the best, the train, the best training and, and then the best nutrition and all of that. And that's what you're really giving people is that experience that you've lived so that it can change their life. Like it has yours. Yeah. You know, you, you make me sound so, um, the word altruistic um it's good (laughs) but that's that's what actually sacrificed so that people can do that so you know you've sacrificed over the years so that so that we people like myself can take advantage of that and get that knowledge from from one source versus having to live it for 20 years but we can get right there and you you help people get there quicker and that's that's what you're put on earth for go ahead no no that's it you know, there's, there's a lot of elements as I look through, you know, when I designed the program, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't reflecting like, oh, I want to put elements from this phase of my life and this, uh, I didn't think like that. I just, I, I thought about, okay, what is the, the best way I know how to create the strongest human beings possible the healthiest human beings possible and you know there's so many elements that you can see very clearly from different phases of my life you talk about rowing you talk about cycling like there's so many different parts of this this program that that are i mean that were influenced 15 years ago mm-hmm. um, 20 years ago when i was rowing and and, and that sort of competitive nature and obviously the accountability portion of it and you know and i actually have to switch your programming out jamie so because because i've changed things up a little bit and you know you've come this far i didn't want to stop it and like restart it but you know i've, I've upgraded it mm. so i've got to upgrade you a little bit and you know there's more to it yeah and my you know the, the best part about it is you know okay so if i'm preparing for a powerlifting meet or um, a cycling race or a marathon it's the night before you're thinking okay what is the best possible food i can eat mm-hmm. what do i need to be what do i need to be visualizing what do i need to be telling myself what sort of routines do i need to hold and all of those elements are present um, in this program specifically but it's to me it's it's how do i as a coach how do i set all of the information in front of a client in the most easily executable way, that's a word. Is executable a word? Sure, why not? In this podcast, it is a word. It is a word. So I want people to, and it's frustrating because there's way too much information out there. It's the conversation I had with that kid today. I was like, you're overthinking it, brother. Like, it's too much information. So my job is to put great information in front of a client and allow them every opportunity to succeed. I can't make people do the things I put in front of them. Sure. I can't make people put on a, a 20 pound weight vest and go for a walk every day for two miles. Mm-hmm. I can't make people eat uh, steak. Yeah. You know, I can't meet, make people take certain supplements. I can only recommend the things that I know will work. And if they take the ball and run with it, great. If they don't, that's their choice. But this program to me is a culmination of, you know, not just 20 years of my own experience, but everyone that I've come across and everybody that I've, 
I've spoken with and learned from and um, and shot the shit with, talked shop with, whatever you want to call it, in the last 20 years, it's pulling in their knowledge too. Yeah. So it it's there's there's countless people. I wish there are people whose names I don't remember that have taught me things in the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's always those like old guys in the gym, right? The, the <laughs> ones that you know have been training for like 20 years. Yeah. Those are the ones you learn shit from. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, who have I become? Yeah. Is that guy? <laughs> um, but it's really. You know, 20 years from now, the kid that I spoke with today, maybe he's going to be doing some sort of high-tech um, holographic podcast um, in his electric starship <laughs> that, you know, he's referencing this one guy that he met that had a mohawk that was just, he was just, you know, sat down and we were shooting the shit about training and nutrition. And it's, um, to me, being able to put a program together that I would follow myself, mm-hmm. a diet that, that I enjoy, that I can maintain, um, that makes me feel healthy, feel strong, um, where my blood work actually reflects how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. That's really important because ultimately, obviously I want people to be uh, strong as hell. Yeah. I believe in strong humans. I think, I think as, as a culture, as a country, uh, I can't really speak about the rest of the world, but as a country, we are weak, we are fat, we are tired, we are sick, and we can change that. Mm-hmm. It's really not that hard, but it just takes it takes massive action. Yeah. So I can put it all in front of people and encourage them to take massive action, but hey, some people are all about it. I have a guy that just, did he just reach out to me after the last podcast mm. we had recorded it? And he was like, he didn't sign up with me at the time. He had this, that, the other thing going on. This is back in like May or June. Mm-hmm. And he came out and he was like, I need your help. Would you still consider taking me on as a client? I said, sure, man, let's talk. And sure enough, again, I don't believe in accidents when it comes yeah. to this stuff. And he's, you know, and he, he needs more than the average client right now getting started. I said, if you need to call me every day, you call me every day. Yeah. We'll get this moving, you know? And it's one of those things where it will change his life. Mm-hmm. And he's even said it. He goes, this is life-changing. This, that is the point. What we do in the gym is irrelevant. What we do in the kitchen is irrelevant. It's the goal that we have in mind. And the fact that some people have struggled for their entire lives mm-hmm. to accomplish this goal that they've had in mind. Like for me to hold you accountable to that goal and put the resources at your fingertips for you to succeed. And then you start to experience the success. Mm-hmm. It's like a fucking light bulb goes off. Yeah. And that's when people get just so crazy motivated. And like, I have one guy, he's, he's, he's almost like emotional about it. Every time I talk to him, he's like, thank you so much coach. Like, like you've changed my life. I'm like, I didn't change your life. You did. Mm-hmm. I was just here. Yeah. I was just a guy. And that's, I mean, if, if you were going to wrap this up with, with anything, it would be like, yes, I'm a trainer and yes, I'm a coach, but really for this journey, I'm just the guide. That's it. I just show, I just show you the path. Mm-hmm. I can't make, I can't take the steps for you. Yeah. That's it. You're the guide. And that's, that's, um, <laughs> and honestly, that's what makes a great story. I mean, you have a character, who wants something, which is that goal. And you have this, you know, conflict, this, these stakes, it could be your health, your life, your whatever it is. 
then you have to overcome that, those stakes, that, that conflict to get it. And you meet a guide along the way. And that guide, which is like Yoda, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you're a star Wars nerd, that's, that's, you meet that guide that's lived this life that has these experiences and they help you blow up the death star, you know, but you still have to go blow up the death star. And, and hold that's, up. That's you it. totally just rocked my world. Yeah. Did you just compare me to Yoda? I did. I did. And then and it was not a short joke. To, it was not a short joke. To blow up the death star. <laughs> Dude, there's, this is the most brilliant marketing ever. Yeah. I am Yoda. <laughs> Let us blow up the death star. The death star. I mean, basically looks like most of America, which is like a huge exactly. waistline. And, <laughs> Oh, dude, that's hilarious. Uh, Obi-Wan. That's, that's a good story. And that's what you're doing. You're helping people tell a great story. And, and, and they'll be able to look back and say, wow, I lived this. And like you said, you can't do it for them, but you can guide them and give them the, the knowledge and the, the accountability to do it. That's it. Uh, the guide only I can be. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's proper Yoda speak. I think so. And really it's, it's, you know, I've spent so many years of my career telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you what to do. Yeah. I'm just, here's, here's what I would do. Right. And this is based on years of other yeah. people showing me how to do it. Mm-hmm. Cause you've you had, know, other guys. had great... you've had guides, you know, and those guides yeah. helped you get past this stuff. So, and that's, I mean, it's really to be able to, and every person we cross, right? The mm-hmm. information that you've taught me mm-hmm. over the, the years of, of working together, like that's a combination of not just you, but everybody who influenced you. Mm-hmm. Sure. And everybody who influenced them. And it's, it's, I think we're, you know, it's nice to be able to get back to that sort of um, almost like paying homage to where we come from. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, you know, I'm, the knowledge that I have is not stuff that I made up mm-hmm. stuff that I've learned yeah. stuff that I've um, observed. It's, it's questions that I asked people that knew way more than I did. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. I think this is a good indie. Sweet deal. All right. Dude, and how- you fake, you faked me out. I thought we were recording for twice as long. I, I know that, but I was enjoying the but conversation. I'm still going <laughs> to, well, I'm, I'm going to send you the audio because I at least have my end. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, and, and tell people, you know, if they want to get connected to your program, how do they get connected? So easiest way to do it is to go uh, straight to my Instagram, which is at Vanguard Barbell. Um, you can slide it in my DMs there if you'd like, or there is a phone number at the top of my profile. Shoot me a text. Yep. Reach out. That's the easiest way. Uh, my ads uh, through Facebook and Instagram are currently down because I'm remodeling them. I'm going to launch them again in October 1st. But in the meantime, like strike while the iron's hot. If you want to know more, if you want to talk shop, like, you know, <laughs> I'm not here to pressure to sell anybody. Nope. I'm just here to put information in front of you. So if it's something that uh, someone's interested in, reach out. Yeah. Let's talk. Absolutely. Cool, man. Andy, thanks so much. As always, brother. Appreciate it. Pleasure's yours. (laughs) I mean, mine, something. Anyway, we'll talk next week, brother. All right, Yoda. (laughs) Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Apex Predator podcast with Andy Rose and Jamie Preston. You can follow Andy on Instagram at Vanguard Barbell. 
This podcast is not intended as medical advice, so please speak with your healthcare provider before making changes to your diet or exercise routines. Please give us a five-star rating and leave a message. Thanks for listening.